This recording is a production of the Conservative Anabaptist Education Committee. This presentation was recorded at the Conservative Anabaptist School Board Institute 2017, held in Sugar Creek, Ohio, on March 3 and 4. Well, as we're gathered together, there is a, a ripple effect that leaves a place like this that you and I underestimate, and I simply want to challenge you with that. As you go through the next day and a half, think about the ripple effect that will be leaving this place. Also, I believe this is the 11th year for Casby, and I'm still arguing with myself how many years I've come, but I believe it is nine. And I'd like to thank the CASB committee for what they have done. I've helped plan events like this, and there's a lot of work in an event, and I'd simply like to thank them for that. The impact has been a positive one for myself and for the health of our school, schools at home. This is a part one of a topic series. This one comes now. The last one comes at the very end. And I'm not exactly sure what the committee was wishing for when they assigned this topic. Honestly, I chatted with Jonas a little bit, but I'm still a little unsure what they were reaching for. Today, you're going to get what's in my notes. Also, a couple things. The word obstacles and challenges, we're going to use that interchangeably. Sometimes challenges fits better. Sometimes obstacles fits better. And we're going to use those interchangeably. In part one, we're going to fly at 30,000 feet. We're going to look down and and probably fly high, uh, stay out of the weeds. I'm going to try and stay out of the weeds, but we're going to look down and define, compartmentalize what it is that we face in our schools and in our education systems and programs. It also may seem like I'm going to leave some questions unanswered. That's by design. I, I want to leave some content for the very end. And I also feel that there's a lot of speakers that are going to speak throughout the next day and a half, and I, I want them to have the, you know to really have an impact so this is about kind of compartmentalizing and defining the challenges that we face um, I only have I only have five slides three of the first one is this the this page and then there's a summary so there's really only three challenges or obstacles that I'm going to give you and we're going to unpack some of them of those three now my perspective I need to give you that so you can understand where I'm coming from my perspective is that of a board member. I was a very young school board member. I had six years on the board before my oldest son went into grade one. So I was very young. Um, I would have loved to attend that workshop 12 years ago or whatever it was. I am Canadian. Uh, we live in southern Ontario. I'm here with my wife, Leona, this morning, and we have five children at home, ages 11 to 3. I'm employed full-time in precision agriculture and uh, mostly in sales, so if through any of my topics you feel like you're being sold something, it may be that you are. Um, so that's my disclaimer. All right, a couple more thoughts before we dive into the first content slide. I'm going to use this, the term school boards and school administration interchangeably. I know that there is a difference, especially in some of your schools, but also there are schools where it's the same, where the school board actually administrates. Some, sometimes the administrators are hired and they're part of the staff. I'm gonna, for, for this morning, you're all one of the same. I'm also gonna try and stay out of some of the, the specific 
regional obstacles that you may face, that we may face, that you don't face, local law, things like that, that aren't global. I'm going to stay out of those things. I'm going to try and stay fairly global in content. Rather, I'd like to share with you three things that I think are, are challenges or obstacles on a very high level that are broad and all-encompassing that will be understood by all and maybe mastered by only a few of us in the room. All right, the first one I've entitled Coherent Vision. Coherent Vision. And for many in the audience, this may be your, you are second or third generation from those that started your school, second or third. I, there may be some first generation. I'm not sure if there's any fourth here. Vision is seeing into the future. It's clearly understanding what it is or where it is that we want to end up at. Vision is that ultimate goal or that far look, okay? It's looking ahead. Now, why did I choose the word coherent to precede the word vision in my slide? Um, well, I think that's where the obstacle, I think that's where the challenge is. Coherent is logical and clear. The word coherent means having clarity or intelligibility. Now, your vision statement should be concise, brief, but comprehensive. It's one of those things that needs to say a lot in only a few words. For those in the audience that are beginning to zone out just because you heard me say vision and statement in the same sentence, I understand. I care more about the vision than I do about the statement, but a, state, a vision statement or a vision that cannot be turned into a statement at a moment's notice is no vision at all. If you can't articulate it, you haven't got it. It's that simple. So the emphasis on the coherent side here. <clears throat> I think that's one of the things we struggle with, one of the challenges we have. The inability to coherently articulate a vision statement for a certain cause will soon render that cause pointless and outdated. I really believe that. If you can't coherently articulate a vision for something you're doing, it's soon going to be pointless and outdated. Clarity and vision feeds passion. Passion turns into energy that will execute. All right, so, and I'll maybe unpack this a little bit more later, but vision for the school should really include what the end product is that you want to get to. So vision is not something nebulous. It's, it's something that you look at the end product, and if our graduates are the end product, what do you want them to look like? And I'd like to dive into that, but we're not going to right now. All right, why do I make this my first point, my first challenge point? You know, when a cause is in motion, like the Christian school movement, and it is, it's in motion. The crowd here today is good evidence of that. It's in motion. Then it is possible for a passive people to carry it forward mechanically for a while. It will fail eventually. Now, what I just said is not your fault. It's simply a law of social travel that can't be avoided, even in, even in the sense of our schools. We didn't start these. Most of us didn't. We could, we could hold up our forefathers and idolize their vision and the Christian school movement that they began. I'm not going to do that. In fact, and let me say this. I think in some cases, our forefathers started these schools not all cases, but their vision was more rather framed in what they didn't want it to look like than what they did want it to look like. So let me just say that again. I think the vision of some of the founding fathers of our schools was more 
was better framed in what they didn't want than what they did want. So we're not going to idolize them, even though we honor them and, and appreciate what they started. Um, it's not always a true statement, but it, I think it's, it's a general statement. Without a vision, the Christian school movement will perish. It may not stop existing, however, it will morph into a semi-secular organization that wears a Christian badge, and we don't want that. So vision is important. All right, we struggled to articulate a long-term school vision because we didn't start the work our fathers and our grandfathers did. We inherited it. Speaking specifically to the board, and this is for the board, we don't get paid for what we do, at least not where I come from. We don't, we don't pay ourselves out of the, the school fund. So the work of the school is oftentimes added to a long list of already nonprofit things that you do. I know all about it. Uh, <clears throat> and so it, this, is, this is, I think, one of the reasons we struggle to articulate is because we, we just take it on and it's added to the bottom of the, the already long list. What we do is simply maintenance. Now, you did not hear me say you and the audience have no vision for the Christian school. Please, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I didn't say that there's no vision here. <clears throat> but what I did say <clears throat> is that a coherent vision is foundational to getting the details right. Coherent vision is foundational to getting it right. In street language, you personally need an elevator speech regarding the vision of your... And an elevator speech is simply that 30-second commercial that you share with someone in the time it takes for an elevator to ride from the top of the building to the bottom. You should be able to do that when someone asks, you should be able to give them that elevator speech, that 30-second commercial, what it is that you're doing, why you're doing it in a very coherent, content-packed phraseology. All right, the next one is the cohesive, cohesive team. Let's identify who's on the team. I'm gonna flip them up on the screen. We have the school board, we have the supporting churches, we have the pastors, the staff, and the patrons. All right, we sometimes think of the staff as being the team. I want to go broader than that. I want to think of everybody being on the team. The school is a nonprofit, I believe in all the cases here, is a nonprofit organization that is taking direction from this group. That's right, all of those bubbles have voices, and you're taking direction from those bubbles, from those voices. They all have a voice speaking into this, this organization. All right, why did I choose the term cohesive? Cohesive means well-integrated, unified, closely united, connected, working together. Is that the team you have? It's the team you want. There's a book that, that is written by Patrick Lencioni. I don't know if any of you have wrote, read that book, but he writes a book called The Ideal Team Player. Get your hands on that book. It's a good book to read. It's written in the business context, but he identifies three areas for the ideal team player. One is hungry, humble, and smart. Humble meaning little ego. So humble, we can, we can think of humble as, humble is kind of hard to identify because we know what the opposite looks like. We sometimes struggle to put words to humble. Hungry meaning having a strong work ethic and are determined to getting things done, contributing in any way they can. Smart meaning not so much intellectually smart, but rather an inner personal smart. They understand the dynamics of the group of people that they're working with and how to say and do things that have a positive outcome on, these, on those around them. All right, 
The team at school, hungry, humble, and smart. Challenges and obstacles that could pressure a cohesive team. Get back to this. The school board, and speaking specifically to the school board, you, you should be the best of friends. You should be the best of friends. You shouldn't simply be a mechanical organization that gets together every now and again. The best of friends and cohesive. You don't always need to agree on every subject. In fact, it's best if you don't. Now, also another thought on, on the, the teamwork around the, the organization, the school, is our homes face, I, I believe this is true, our homes face some of the greatest exposure to each other right here. This is where the rubber hits the road when it comes to home exposure to each other. Um, and that can really, really challenge. I think you know what I'm talking about. All right, what are some things, what are some other things that challenge teamwork? Weak leadership is an obstacle in achieving strong results. When leaders are and, and when I think of the leadership of the school, I'm, I'm speaking specifically of the school board. You administrate it, you direct it. There's other voices, but let's just think about the school board. You're called by either the church or the community to lead this work. And you're, you're the leader. Every team needs a leader. If the leader is, leader is or are openly passive, hesitating to take definitive action, that's an obstacle. Blaming others, refusing to take responsibility... That's a challenge or an obstacle. Casual and scattered approach. That's a challenge or an obstacle. Negative, complaining about insufficient resources, possibly money. Ego-driven, we talked about ego. Abusing the privileges of leadership. That goes against the cohesive team. Driven from ulterior motives, sometimes that may happen. All right, what are some other things? Gray lines of responsibility can break down the cohesion within the team. School board taking responsibility where they have no authority. I'd like to unpack that more, but I'm not going to right here. Staff sidestepping their responsibility, possibly speaking into the church or the homes. When staff step over their, their lines of responsibility, that's a challenge, that's, a, that's an obstacle to a cohesive team. Weak administration, we talked, we talked about that. Pastors doing what they can but not going beyond what they're called to do. And this is a sensitive area sometimes. I've said it already this way, that pastors should not make puppets out of the school board. And where I come from, that's not a problem. We have a very cohesive team when it comes to the ministry and the, the church. Uh, I've, I have lots of good positive stories there. But pastors, be sensitive to that. Don't just make puppets out of your the other one is the staff let's get this straight our staff or our teachers are hired they're employees in an organization that has a worthy cause one that has the ability to make an eternal impact when school boards spend too much time trying to find the right staff and not enough time trying to be a good employer that's an obstacle and i want you to really understand what i just said when we when we and we come to these meetings sometimes saying we have to find better staff, we have to find better staff, we want ways to find better staff. But I think, and I've put a lot of thought into this in the last few years, I think one of the things that we do is we, we look for the, the new staff, but we bypass mentoring the ones that we have, grooming the ones that we have. All right, school boards need to understand that the shortage of good staff is not the fault of, it's not the, fault of the teacher, okay? In business, we have a goal. We want customers, and, and 
You know how business is. A lot of you are. We want customers lined up at the front door to do business at our establishment. We want potential employees lined up at the back door wanting to get on our payroll, right? And if you like what I just said, then I need to tell you there's only one way to accomplish that. Customers lined up at the front door wanting to spend money here. Potential employees lined up at the back door wanting to get on your payroll. I think maybe as a school you have customers lined up at the back door. We struggle sometimes with having potential employers lined up at the back door, customers at the front door. Now, the way, and I want you to listen to this, the way we do this, and we can unpack this later, but the way we do this, we need to understand that the way we do this to create that dynamic is by what happens within those two walls, between those two doors. What's going on between those two doors? And that's what's going to drive the appetite outside. You know, teachers and potential teachers, potential teachers do their research too. You know, we, we hire teachers sometimes. We go to hire teachers sometimes and, and we're doing the research on them. I have a little story. I think Dwight will remember this one. We went to, we drove a long ways to, to interview a potential teacher. We needed a junior room teacher and we drove a long way um, to interview this teacher. And we were interviewing this teacher and and, you know, my sales kicked in, and I'm trying to, you know, we were far enough into the interview that I really wanted this teacher to come teach at her school, and we had done enough research on her, and, and my sales kicked in, and I was, you know, trying to help her understand how good of a place this would be to teach. I mean, we're a pretty, we're pretty good team, and we have good teamwork, and, and I remember the look on her face. She smiled and said, yeah, I know I've done the research on you. So the truth is they're doing the research too. We don't go and, and employ ourselves at an organization that we don't like. So the point here is what happens between those two walls will drive the appetites. All right, school boards, I think sometimes we spend too much time recruiting and not enough po time polishing and mentoring the staff that we already have in the building. Let's move on. Consistent practice. You're going to say, I didn't come here and practice. Well, I think... We need to acknowledge that this can be a challenge. This can be an obstacle. Inconsistency, so inconsistency is an obstacle. Inconsistency is demoralizing. Sure it is. Again, I'm going to point this very specifically at school boards, school administration. Now, consistency in what? Practice in what? Consistency in practice. What practice? What are some specific areas? And I'm going to give them to you. We may unpack them later on, but I'm going to give give you these areas because I want you to think about these as you walk from workshop to workshop. Think about these areas. Consistency and vision. Know what it is you want to accomplish and over-communicate it. Establish your vision and over-communicate it. You're going to say, well, I've said that a hundred times. Parent-teachers meetings, this event, that event. Over-communicate your vision. Make it concise, consistency and vision, and over-communicate. Consistency in organizational structure. I'm not talking about who's on the team, but the structure of the team. So if you're constantly moving responsibilities around, sometimes there's good reasons to do that. But if you're constantly doing that, that's inconsistent. Be clear, be consistent about who does what. Consistency in roles and responsibilities. Be slow to change this. Consistency in communication, how you communicate with the rest of the team. Be consistent with how you communicate. And I think... Uh, some of my fellow board members are here. I think we've talked about this in the past where we weren't very consistent about how we communicated. 
you know, there'd be notes and letters and from different people and phone calls and this and that and the other thing. And that's confusing and it can be demoralizing. Be consistent. Be deliberate about being consistent with your communication. This is, this is for the board and the administration. Think about letterheads. Think about how you communicate with the team. Be consistent. Consistently in discipline, this takes wisdom. Consistency in curriculum, this takes a lot of work. I'm telling you this takes a lot of work. If you're new in the board, this is where this, there's a lot of work here. I'm not a curriculum person so much. This is hard work for me to, to, to allow myself to get into the curriculum. Consistency in curriculum. Don't be too scattered about this. This is, there's, there's a lot of read. Very consistent. In the work of the school, we serve others for the good of the kingdom. Most people are geared to appreciate the responsibility. Most people are geared to appreciate and respond to consistency in practice, especially children. And children are an integral part to this, aren't they? They're geared to respond positively to consistency in practice. The truth is consistency is more difficult and more complicated than simply keep doing the same thing over and over again. In fact, it's a good idea to be constantly somewhat skeptical of your own practice. However, when you implement change, especially in an organization like the school, you should be very deliberate and very clear why it is you're proposing change. Why are you changing what you're proposing to change? Be very deliberate about it. Think it through. Ask the question, why did we start doing it this way in the first place? Consistency in practice. Sometimes we change our practice to enhance consistency and clarity. I remember a topic Brother Jonas said a few years ago, and I, I'd like to get my hands on that audio, but you, you basically said sometimes we change the practice to keep the vision, or to, sometimes we change our practice to enhance clarity, and cons sometimes there's a right time to do it. So don't say, I'm just going to keep doing it the same way I've always done it. Be skeptical of your practice in the interest of A couple quote, quotes, lack of consistency brings lack of interest. That's an unknown quote. We are what we repeatedly do. Excellence then is, an, is not an act but a habit. Excellence is a habit, not an act. That was Aristotle. John Maxwell, small disciplines repeated with consistency every day lead to great achievements gained slowly over time. Small disciplines repeated with consistency every day lead to great achieve, achievements gained slowly over time. John Maxwell. All right, I didn't come to tell you that you're doing a bad job of consistency. I know in the past that I have sometimes been guilty. It seems so simple, but we, we jump from one thing to the next, and especially with the dynamic of the school board changing, administration changing, teachers changing, while there's a strength in that, one member comes off, another replaces him. This may be one of the greatest reasons for pressure in this area of consistency. And men, men in the audience, we tend to want to leave a mark. Whatever we do, we tend to want to leave a mark. And so the dynamic that happens is when there's change, immediately the doors open for change, sometimes not the most methodical. And this is, this is need to tell you one, one more little story, then we'll wrap this up. A couple of years ago in my line of work, I was in attendance when there was an equipment vendor discussing a situation, and it kind of went like this. In Western Canada, there's Hutterite. Hutterite live in colonies, and they, have, they often farm large 
areas of land. They farm and manage large areas of land. And on those communities, on those Hutterite communities, there's a hierarchy of leadership that takes place. I don't understand it completely. We don't have Hutterite communities, or very few in Ontario, but there's, a, there's often a farm boss that, that will you know, be in charge of the crops, okay? And the, the man that's in charge of the crops is also in charge of the equipment. So large area of land, lots of equipment. As an equipment vendor, you kind of care about what goes on in that farm. Now this, this man was telling me, this vendor was telling me that he said, the time that you want to get in there is when the farm boss changes. So when there's a, when there's a transition of leadership, that's when I want to get in there. And uh, you know what? My mind immediately went to the, this dynamic exists. I don't think we're really guilty of this, but there's sometimes as subtle things that happen when leadership changes. Large buying decisions are made at such a time as that, and there's some truth to that. Consistency is key to success. Let's make sure we're doing the right thing in the right way, then do it over and over and over again. Consistently. Let's be sure we're doing the right thing. Let's not just blindly. Let's ask the question, and that's what school boards are for. Ask these questions. Look at each other. Unpack all the details. Ask if we're doing it the right the right way, the best way that fits into the vision that we have for what we're doing. Do it consistently. All right, summary. Coherent vision, cohesive team, and consistent practice. Vision, one that can be articulate, articulated in that 30-second elevator speech. Then over-communicate it. Over-communicate it internally. Be distinct, be clear about it, and then over-communicate it. This sound, if you're the one over-communicating, it feels awkward sometimes, but do it anyway. New people come, and they need to hear this. Cohesive team, hungry, humble, smart. I'm on the team because I really joy, enjoy being on the team. Truth be told, I kind of enjoy school board work. Um, I kind of enjoy it. It's a challenge that, that has given me purpose, and I, I enjoy that. So if you're on the team, enjoy it. No ego. Humble no ego. Consistent practice. Make sure you're doing the right thing. This recording and many others are available through Christian Learning Resource, the campus bookstore at Faith Builders. Order online at www.christianlearning.org or call 877-222-4769.